But is he the one on the receiving end of your frustration? Is he the one you're splattering with juicy comebacks, spoken with disgust against the inside glass of your windshield while driving down the road, rehearsing the script for your next altercation? Because the fact is, he's most likely the one who's pulled the wool over your eyes, fooling you with a crafty bait and switch, leading you to focus all of your indignation on your man or your kid instead. He wants you miserable and exhausted and joyless and undone. He wants that picture of the gospel, the one you call your marriage and your family. He wants it tarnished, ripped up, smeared in the mud of failure, held up as fresh meat from the kill, turning you against each other and tearing everybody in half. As much as the father loves and embodies unity, your enemy loves and embodies division. Wherever discord is present, he's never too far away. And as most of us sadly know, from far too much personal experience, no wounds cut us deep or cleave us at the core of our existence more than the wounds we receive at the hands of our family. You'd better believe he wants a piece of that action. But maybe he wasn't counting on this. A woman who'd had enough, enough to start taking some prayer action for her marriage, for her husband, for her children, for all her family. So here we go. This is it. Bring your family issues right up to the line here. And let's get some stuff out in the open. Let's get specific. Let's put a bead on the bullseye where the real source of your family strife and discomfort and unmet needs are originating from. And let's show him the kind of resistance that a steady dose of prayer is able to exact against his demolition plans. Is it your marriage? Then quit trying to be the Holy Spirit in your relationship, responsible for poking and prodding that husband of yours until he finally sees things the same way you see them. I'll admit, I spent some of my first years as a married woman convinced that my primary spiritual gift in life was to change Jerry in Jesus' name. It's taken me nearly two decades to begin realizing I was wrong. Changing Jerry, as it turns out, is not my spiritual gift. Nowhere in 1 Corinthians 12 or anywhere else in scripture where the divinely infused gifts of God's spirit are listed does, quote unquote, improving thy husband appear as even a footnoted selection. And if we didn't know this to be the case from its obvious absence among the catalog of spiritual gifts, haven't we all discovered from exhausting experience that the Holy Spirit all by himself can do a much better job of it than we ever could? No, our job, my job, your job, is not to change that man, but to respect him and then leave the rest to the Lord. When you do this, you're not letting him off the hook at all. You're just leaving him to God. You're also well on your way to discovering something else. He's likely not the only one who needs to do some changing. In fact, he probably isn't the one, at my house at least, who needs changing the most. The more you pray for your husband, the more the Spirit will shine a spotlight on the places in your own heart and actions that need a bit of work, too.
only effective way to fight in marriage is to pray. The way to see the real truth behind whatever's happening in this whole situation of yours is to pray. The way to get the wheels moving again that have clogged up or perhaps totally come off is to pray. Prayer is how we isolate the real problems. Prayer is how we get up behind those problems and attack them at the roots. It's how we isolate the real enemy. It's how we keep him on his heels and off our man. And prayer is also how God gets through to us. Even while we're praying for our husband, convincing us that maybe what our husband needs most right now is for his wife to become a soft, safe place for him to land, rather than a prickly, nagging source of contention that only agitates him and makes things worse. So even if things are going pretty well for you right now, even if you don't have a lot to complain about or feel upset over, the enemy's still there. Whether in full-on attack mode or lurking in wait for the next possible opportunity to infiltrate. So pray and pray fervently. Is it your children? The Bible says in Psalm 127.4 that our children are like arrows in the hand of a warrior. We raise them to shoot them out into the culture, bearing the image of Christ to the world. Sounds again, then, like a place that would qualify as a major area of concern for an enemy who doesn't want any vestige of Christian valor and virtue running loose out there where, I don't know, they may take bold stands of faith and influence around their college friends, might pastor a church or run a business or become involved in missions and ministry opportunities that honor Christ and actively serve hundreds of people. Worst of all, they might just marry and raise a whole other generation of little Christ followers, keeping your family burning red hot on enemy radar long beyond your lifetime, spinning up a legacy of faith that spirals forward, undaunted into the future. Your enemy can't be having any of that now, can he? So don't be surprised when he starts coming after your kids. And don't think it's all because they're being headstrong or peer-dependent or careless or lazy. Satan knows the parts of their character, both their strengths and their weaknesses, where he can worm in and try stunting their growth, their potential, and their confidence. One of my sons, for example, has always been prone toward fear and anxiety. Ever since he was a small child, he's shown a noticeable bent toward this kind of emotional response to external stimuli. Knowing this, spotting this, I have been very specific in praying for him, out loud over him. Even when he was just a baby, I've routinely asked the Holy Spirit to instill courage within him, to be a wall of protection against the enemy's attempts to exploit my son in this sensitive area. Three or four years ago, night after night, he started seeing something he described as a man in his room. It couldn't really be a man in there, of course. The outside doors and windows were locked. Nobody was getting inside. He wanted to write it off as nothing, tell him to go back to sleep and not worry about it. But he was able to tell me in rather striking detail what this quote-unquote man looked like, where he was standing in relation to my son's bed. How paralyzing it felt when he sensed this presence in his room, as if a heavy blanket had fallen on him, suffocating him. Well, that did it. I started to pray over him even more specifically, to pray over their room while the boys were away, to command this spirit of fear to leave my son alone in the name of Jesus. One day in particular, when this issue seemed to be reaching a climax of intensity, I stormed into that bedroom like a rocket, 
I paced the floor. I quoted scripture. I posted passages on the wall. I laid hands on the doorposts and window ledges. And I'm not joking here. That was the last day my boy ever mentioned that man. As far as I know, he's never been bothered by it since to that degree or in that precise way. Let the enemy run roughshod over my kids? No way. And I have a strong feeling you won't allow him to do it to yours either. An enemy is after your children, I'm telling you. Believe it, know it, and most importantly, deal with it. By tunneling deep into your prayer closet and fighting back with every parental and spiritual weapon at your disposal. Is it an issue with other family members? Perhaps your most pressing family issues right now pertain not to your husband, not to your children, but to other members of your extended family who are unsaved, feeling the brunt of enemy attack on themselves, or who are participating intentionally or even unintentionally with the enemy's designs on you as their daughter, their sister, their cousin, their daughter-in-law, whatever. The forms that these sorts of conflicts can take are as numerous as the number of people involved in them. But just as much as the devil loves stirring up trouble in churches, he loves stirring up trouble in families. He knows it's a Christian witness killer, an energy zapper, a time eater, a relationship destroyer. The amount of senseless hurt and distraction he can cause per square inch in your family is one of his most desirable economies of scale. He can do more damage with less effort by attacking us here within these relationships than in any other context. But if we're wise, we can use his own geometry against him putting prayer into effect in places where we're close enough to touch the very people involved. Then, as God's Spirit does His work in us and in these situations, the others in our family will be standing close enough to watch it all happen in real time, to see the kinds of change and impact our prayers are able to accomplish. Again, if you're a single woman, don't think this chapter doesn't apply to you. If you're wise, you'll discern that it most certainly does. Praying for your mate shouldn't begin when you've walked down the aisle. It should start now, before you've been on the first date or even know his first name. Pray for the man God may be positioning as your future husband. Pray that he'll be set ablaze with love for Christ and a heart for leading you well and making your marriage a devoted priority. Pray that God will guard his friendships and those who will influence the path he is taking even right now. Pray that his passions will be attuned with an authentic faith, that his purity will be a matter of deep commitment, and that God will superintend the circumstances that bring the two of you together, all in his perfect plan and his perfect timing. The children of your own, pray for the little ones, the, the nieces, nephews, and neighbors who are in your life and who God brings specifically to your attention. And yes, begin praying now for the child or children he may entrust to you at a later time, through whatever means he leads you to take. I once knew a guy who began setting aside $100 a month for his children when he was in his mid-20s, and he didn't even marry until he was in his early 30s. He was preparing a nest of security in advance for his child to be born into. Prayer allows you to do the same thing in the spiritual realm, to prepare an environment of spiritual security and the first stirrings of a family legacy before your child is even stirring in the womb. Can you imagine what a gift it could be 
years from now for your children to see your handwritten fervent prayers for them before they even took their first breath? The family is one of the key access points of God's purposes on earth, and your family at the point of your sphere of influence is a major component of what he is doing right here where you live. In order to make sure you're fully cooperating with him and with the enormous opportunity embodied in your family structure and its people, they need you to not be on their backs, not be up in their faces, but be down on your knees. Assume a new fighting position.